that. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. I'm back. Did you miss me? Morton's Law, another edition of this uh, podcast with my miserable existence. How's everybody doing on this Sunday, August 16th? I'm recording this late in the afternoon. Just uh, took a brief hiatus. Actually uh, celebrated a birthday on August 10th this past week. It's funny I say celebrated, but I didn't really celebrate it. In fact, I was more upset that I didn't die. It was just like, I woke up? Are you kidding me? Like, that would have been the greatest gift had I not woken up. But of course, I can't be that lucky, can I? No. I wish I had the opportunity to celebrate my death. But unfortunately, I don't think we're, we're given that. <laughs> I, want, I want to throw a party when I'm dead. Like, I don't have to do this anymore. Because I'm ready. I'm ready to go. This, this, is, oh, this is awful. Every day. Why do people, why do we do this? Like, all joking aside, when I, when I think about the people who do commit suicide, it's just like, oh, I get it. Okay, that's why they did it. Yeah. Unbelievable. And getting old is not fun. I'm now, I don't even tell you how old I am. I'm over 40. Everybody knows that. But it's to the point now where just because I'm exhausted and it's a process because I, I think I have a bladder issue. I pee sitting down. Digest that for a moment. But it's at a point now where, because it takes so long to pee, I don't want to stand because I'm standing there for like two to three minutes, so it's exhausting. But here's where it gets more complicated. So why pee sitting down, somehow, because I do have um, a herniated disc in my back, and I have some arthritis. That apparently I compress my spine so much sitting down for so long that I re-aggravated my herniated disc to the point where I couldn't walk yesterday. So I was like, okay, I guess I have to stand again while I pee. So that's fun. Welcome to my life. I was like, are you kidding me? I have to go see one of those urologists this coming week. I remember the first experience. This is why I haven't been back in four years. Because they stuck something in my dick. And then they stuck a tube up my ass. I'm not so sure they had to do the second part. I think that was just for entertainment purposes. They didn't even take me out to dinner afterwards. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm going to tell them. You are not sticking anything anywhere. Just find out why it takes me five minutes to pee. That's all I ask. Find out. <laughs> There's got to be some machine that tells you this without having to stick something somewhere. What a life. <laughs> so this past week, uh, by the way, we're going to talk about a lot of things on this show. We have UFC 252 coming up. Cormier, Miacic, the trilogy. Have uh, very little on wrestling. Not much. We'll talk wrestling a little bit. Of course, uh, Major League Baseball still going, despite all the COVID cases from the St. Louis Cardinals, previously the Marlins. 
And uh, NBA playoffs. It's here. Tomorrow. Starting. Give a brief thought on that. So, uh, it was a sad week. Well, bittersweet, I guess. Not, I don't know. So, one Kamala dies, and another one is named Running Mate, and could be the future Vice President of the United States of America. Coincidentally, not many people know that they actually share the same last name. Yes. James Harris. Kamala Harris. So, uh, that was interesting. A lot of, uh, (laughs) gifts and memes were created. Memes. How do you say that? Memes, right? I don't even know. I remember one time I joked, is it French? Meme? (laughs) So yeah, Kamala passed away at 70. No surprise, this country, the way it is. And now everyone is going crazy. Of course, the racists are out full force. About the potential of... Because everyone says Biden's on his last leg, and if he wins, he's going to die. He's not even going to make it through the first couple of years. So then, of course, we would have an African-American female president, which nobody wants because this country is all racist, no surprise. It's disgusting, it is. But, I mean, like I said all the time, though, what really happens in this country with politics and and the government, what do they really do for us? Look at this situation we're in right now. If you're unemployed, you were getting pandemic checks, which which was great, $600. $600 a week. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to say, I mean, it, it should be based on income at the end of the day. I know they're currently fighting, and I know they haven't come up with a new plan. Although the idiot president, of course, passed something that apparently he couldn't pass, because we're not getting any more money as a result, because it's state-based. You know, idiot that he is. Okay, I'm going to sign this document, and it's going to mean so much, and I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it anyway. Alright, because what I say is final. No, it's not, you idiot. Oh my goodness. We have to be subjected to this guy. He's, I mean, I, I don't know what the polls have come out since uh, Joe Biden has named Kamala Harris as his running mate. But I'm curious to know because recently Biden had a, a pretty significant lead on Trump for this November election. So we'll see what happens going forward with that. I mean, I... I I mean, look, is Biden going to be much better? Um, I'm not left. I'm not strong left or strong right. I just want something that makes sense. Does anything here make sense? I don't know. I mean, look, obviously Trump is the the worst of the two from multiple standpoints, but some people would argue that. I just, the racism in this country is out of control, though. I mean, it just is. I'll never understand this thought. I'm better than you because of the color of my skin. What? <laughs> how is that possible? This is the thought process. Majority, of course, white people. That's how they feel. A lot of them. That they're better than everyone else because they're white. I don't get that. I'll never understand that. I mean, take me, for example. Like, I'm white. But I now, I hate everybody equally. So it doesn't matter. It's not about race, religion. I can find five reasons why I will hate you. Before I even think about any of those things. I don't get it. Like it's just. It, it's. I, I just. I don't get the way this world works. It's sad. So. Uh, to more lighter news. I don't listen to a lot of music today. I don't. But I do get on YouTube occasionally. And play old songs. And I'm a big 90's guy. I love hip hop. 
uh, 90s alternative rock, all that stuff from the 90s, even early 2000s you can go to, but recently, you hear a song, uh, don't get me wrong, occasionally you can hear a song, you go, oh, that song is pretty cool, it's not so bad, and the majority, music sucks today, right? I mean, let's be fair. But the other day, I'm in a car, listening, and and all of a sudden, a Machine Gun Kelly song is playing, and I'm like, wait a second, this isn't rap, this isn't hip-hop, what is this? And I didn't know that he crossed over to do alternative music. And uh, typical me, once I hear a song that I like, I have to go on Twitter, I have to tell everybody in the world, it's like a big, it's like I'm breaking the news that Machine Gun Kelly's doing all alternative music, meanwhile he's been doing it for a while now, I just didn't know about it. But I like it, I think it has a bit of an early 2000s sound, maybe late 90s, like a, a Sum 41, Blink 182, um, this Bloody Valentine song is incredible, of course Megan Fox is in the video, so she enhances it, I, uh, I learned that she was married to Brian Austin Green, <clears throat> of course of uh, 90210, and apparently they got divorced, and he's not happy how quickly she moved on. Uh, guess what, fellas? Newsflash. Women move on a lot faster than we do. They just do. It's a fact. So they have three kids together, so... Now she's with Machine Gun Kelly. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> so much fun. And, uh... I'm about to embark on an interesting challenge in life. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know how this is going to go on. But I, I start college again in, in 10 days. And I'm very nervous about the experience. For those who don't know me, I work with children, coaching sports, mainly basketball. And I figure, I'm like, okay, I might as well go back to school and become a physical education teacher. This way I'm not homeless in the last like five years of my life. <laughs> I at least know I have some security that's probably my main reason for doing this. There's so many other bad city jobs out there you could take, but I think this is probably the best. So, and online classes. I know a lot of people are complaining about online classes and grades dropping. So people are, are not, enrollment is down apparently. A lot of kids are just going to take the semester off and maybe until we go back to school full time in terms of in the classroom. I know public schools are going to be going in... Uh, um, I should say grade schools specifically, are going to be going in half the time. Half the time will be remote learning. But right now, college is, I believe, 99% remote learning. Nervous about that. Oh, well. That's the story of my <laughs> miserable existence. What a life. <laughs> I tell you, every day is worse than the previous one. It's not even a joke. It is not a joke. All right, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk UFC 252, Cormier, Miacic, the trilogy, what happens? You're listening to Morton's Law, back after this.
Welcome back to Morton's Law. I'm your host, of course, Christopher Morton. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I uh, I didn't tell you in the first segment. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. I had a nice little uh, reply to Cody again. Or actually, I think did I just tweet Cody directly? I may have. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a what is that at Morton's underscore Law? Uh, that's so much fun. It hi- it's the highlight of my day when I get to tweet people, knowing that they read it. Cody didn't reply this time, but I had some fun with him. And uh, that's about it. I mean, I haven't done much with the YouTube channel. I, I have to get a new computer for school when it starts. So when I get a new computer, I'll be able to do more stuff for the video if I have time with school. Although I am going part-time. So yeah, UFC 252 took place last night. Cormier, Miocic, the trilogy... Now, if we go back to the first two fights, in the first fight, Cormier dominated for the most part, got the stoppage, and then in the rematch, the rematch Cormier dominated as well. I mean, he was, he was I want to say he was up three rounds to nothing, and then he slowly started to fade, and then Miocic got some, some shots in, and a lot of people thought that Cormier should have went for the shot and had the takedown just to secure a victory. But Cormier felt confident on his feet, and he didn't want to do the takedown, so he ignored his corner. And eventually, he gassed out in the fourth. I believe it was the fourth when he got stopped in the second fight. And um, so, coming into the third fight, I just thought that if he were to listen to his corner, and if he had the ability to take the shot when it's available, knowing how much better I feel he is on his feet than Miocic is, I thought that... Cormier would win this third fight. That was my take going in. Cormier, I didn't say, I didn't think, I want to predict a round. Because I did think, it's a decision is possible. Granted, it didn't happen the first two fights. But that third fight you knew would be epic. And um, look, this fight didn't disappoint. This was a really great fight. Uh, just, just a thought going in before it started. And the thing that stood out to you, if you didn't get to watch the weigh-ins... And you didn't realize it that, wow, Stipe really had a, a, a pretty good weight cut. And he looked a lot thinner and a lot leaner. And he was shredded. And they talked about that, how much weight he lost from the, the last fight. That, of course, you would think would help him more in terms of being more elusive and perhaps being better in the stand-up. Just being quicker. Because remember, Cormier, and they mentioned this during the broadcast last night. By the way, it was great to have Joe Rogan back. Great to have uh, Dominic Cruz back. It, it's been awful for those those ESPN shows that they do. For, I don't even I know who they are, but this is the broadcast I want to hear. I want to hear Anik. I want to hear Rogan. I want to hear Cruz. And of course, going forward, I imagine we're going to hear Cormier now. Once, uh, well, once he makes his decision on his career, we'll talk about that later. Um, but I mean, based on the weight cut, I mean Cormier. That's another thing. Cormier is two. What did he come in? Two thirty six, but Cormier fought at light heavyweight. He made two hundred five, and they talked about how Cormier could easily make one eighty five because Paulo Costa, who's gonna fight for the middleweight title, they said he weighs two thirty and he cuts down to one eighty five. So Cormier is an undersized heavyweight. Aside from his weight, he's just a smaller. He's a smaller guy. So. With Miocic, with, with the weight cut, he definitely looked faster. You could see it right away. 
Although Cormier did come out in the first round, and he had some really good uh, punch exchanges. I mean, both of them answered each other for the most part. I would say for the first four minutes of that first round, it was dead even. And it was hard to score. And I think uh, Cormier did enough in that first round to win it. So it was close. Second round. Oh, I forgot one other part. That there was an eye poke in that first round. And uh, referee Mark Goddard saw this one. We'll talk about the one later on. But he saw this one and Cormier got warned, of course. You can't take a point away on the first one. And uh, Mietzsch was okay, though. It didn't affect him as much as, well, we'll talk about Cormier's eye poke in a minute. But uh, that's another thing. Cormier had to take down, a successful takedown. But then Stipe got right back up. So the takedown didn't have any impact. And uh, and going forward, I mean, he really didn't try again to, to, to do a takedown. So Cormier won the first, like I said. And then the second round, at the end of the second round, Stipe hit a couple shots and then got Cormier down against the cage. And there is no question here, as Mark Goddard was over the two of them, with Stipe in full mount, pounding away on Cormier, that the end of the round saved Cormier. There's no way he was getting up from that. It was just a matter of time before Stipe would have finished the fight. So the the bell saved Cormier, and then we get to a round three. Uh, round three, it was close. Again, back and forth. Very close round. Now, here's the interesting thing in this round. Goddard, some way, somehow, didn't have the angle. And he missed the eye poke. And this eye poke was far more worse than the initial eye poke that Cormier uh, did in the first round. And you could see it because as they go to the corner, and Cormier was livid. Cormier was furious. He told Goddard, you missed it, I got poked in the eye. And Goddard was adamant that, no, it was a punch. But then from when I, when I saw the post-fight uh, press conference, Cormier said Goddard came up to him after and he saw the replay and admitted he was wrong. But, I mean, look, two things. One, even if Goddard had seen the poke as bad as it ended up being, they weren't going to deduct a point. Stipe wasn't going to lose a point on that eye poke because Cormier didn't lose a point. But let's be fair here. I don't know what Mark Goddard is watching. I don't know what angle he has. But you have to see that eye poke. That's just really bad. I mean, let's say, for example, that was a second eye poke, and a point could have been deducted. Well, he missed it. I mean, again, none of this really factored into the decision, so that's a good thing. But it has happened, and it will happen again. Now, this was a big factor in this fight. The fact that Stipe was able to control Cormier against the cage. Cormier mentioned it in the post-fight interview with Joe Rogan. And how he was controlled against the cage. He uses under hooks well. In the first couple fights he went with the over. And he was able to escape that. But Stipe's... And, and look, a lot of factors here with, with, with Cormier's... Cormier looked gassed in the 4th and 5th round. Now, granted, I'm not going to take away from the eye poke. The eye poke was a huge factor. I mean, but he was gassed. He was definitely gassed. He looked sluggish in the last two rounds. Um, I mean, he did win the fourth round. The majority of the judges, I believe, gave him the fourth round. The tied at 2-2 is he did a little bit more. But you could see he was gassing as that fourth round went on. And then in the fifth round, they really didn't do much at all. 
It was a really boring fifth round. Now, you want to say it was a great fight? Fine. I'll give you that. There was a lot of good exchanges. I mean, especially the end of that second where Cormier could have lost. But then Cormier, I mean, look, Cormier did hit Stipe a lot. He really did. And to Stipe's credit, he ate a lot of good shots. I, I was impressed with Stipe's ability to eat those shots and continue moving forward. I think in the first fight, he just ate a couple shots and went right down. So to his credit, uh, he, he stayed on his feet with some pretty vicious shots. So the fight went the distance. And to no surprise, the judges on this scorecards, which I looked at already, there's some flawed scoring in MMA. It's really bad sometimes. Some way, somehow, one judge gave Stipe the first round. I don't know how you do that. Um, I believe it was 49-46, two judges, one judge had it 48-47. Here's the, you could go back to that second round now, and we talk about this all the time with the new scoring system. But the way Stipe dominated that last minute of round two, he was not given a 10-8 by any of the three judges. Now, if he, hypothetically, had he lost this fight, I think that would be a big story today. That Stipe didn't get a 10-8 for a knockdown and, and domination for the final minute of that round. I don't understand what those judges are looking at, how that wasn't a 10-8. Unless you want to make the case they thought Cormier was winning the fight so well in the first four minutes of that round that the damage Stipe did, even though he did have a knockdown in amount, that they thought it just evened out to where they just gave him a 10-9 instead of a 10-8. I don't know their thought process. Love to interview these judges sometimes. So Stipe wins the trilogy. I mean, Cormier said that he only fights for titles, so his career is likely over. We'll see what happens. Now this win... And that was the narrative coming in. The narrative coming in was these two fighters were fighting to determine the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. And to be fair, Stipe has definitely cemented that. There is no debating that he is the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. But I'll ask this question. And a friend of mine sent me a link. How everyone was talking about this this week. Some guy on Sirius that I never heard of. If you want to hear MMA talk, come to me. I'm going to say the same stuff other people are going to say. Alright? They just have a platform, a bigger platform, that I don't have yet. That I will have one day. Okay? So I'm going to tell you this. Is he the greatest heavyweight of all time? And when I say all time, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko. Okay? And we could debate this all day. We can talk about records. We can talk about the who's who, who beat whom. Um, look, the one thing that everyone will look at when you debate this, who's the greatest heavyweight of all time, Stipe finished Verdum and Fedor lost to Verdum. All right? That's right there where pretty much everyone's going to say, well, he beat the guy Fedor couldn't beat. And it bothers me as a big Fedor fan. Listen, I've never been a big fan. I respect the fact that Stipe is beating almost everybody that he look him beating Nagano was tremendous to me. I didn't think he would beat Nagano. He he beat Nagano. That was huge. Him beating Cormier twice. Him beating Verdum. Him beating Junior Dos Santos. I mean the laundry list. It's a I I will not discredit Stipe. My point and why I will tell you that I think Fedor is the greatest heavyweight of all time. It's not about the twenty eight 
unbeaten fight streak. Which, by the way, if you go back and watch the Verdum fight, and I've talked about this here ad nauseum, Fedor knocked Verdum down. He was in a dominant position. He was not going to lose that fight until he made the poor decision to go into his guard. No man in their right mind should go into Fabricio Verdum's guard ever. Fedor lacked respect, and he paid for it. And to his credit, he actually escaped the guard the first time, and then Verdum got him back in, and then he had to eventually tap. But Fedor wasn't going to lose that fight if he just told him to get back up. So that was a poor mental decision by Fedor. And then, look, you're going to say Fedor eventually then lost to Bigfoot Silva. He lost to Dan Henderson. Recently, he's been knocked out by Mitrion. I'm not going to deny the Mitrion fight. That was just a bad loss. I think Fedor, as he's gotten older, and we talk about this with guys, once they get tagged many times, the chin becomes weaker. Fedor's chin, definitely not what it once was. And you could go back to Fedor's early days in pride. He had fights where you thought he was going to lose. That's why his, he became, his legacy, he became the cyborg. He became the cyborg because there were many times, not many, but there were several times in his career where you're like, okay, he's finally going to lose. And he overcame every obstacle. You want to go back to the Randleman fight. Go watch that suplex. I don't know how many men are going to survive that suplex that Randleman dropped Fader on his head. He literally dropped the man on his head. And then within a minute time, Fader's winning the fight with a Kimura. I, I, I don't think anyone can ever... I don't know if there's ever been a fight in which that has happened where a guy was in such a predicament where you're like, he's going to lose, and then a minute later, he wins the fight. That was mind-blowing. Then, when you want to go watch the other fight against Fujita, go watch the Fujita fight. Fedor is literally on rubber legs. Fujita hit him like three or four times, and you're like, okay, he's finally going to drop here and lose. Somehow, Fedor stayed on his feet and ended up not... uh, How did he finish Fujita? I don't remember if he finished him or not, but... I remember the end of that fight. But the point is, he didn't lose. He didn't lose. Man on rubber legs didn't lose. That, it, was a mir- it was a miracle if you watched that fight. You'd be like, how is this going to not down? Then the third fight, where you're like, okay, he's going to lose. Mark Hunt. Keep in mind, Fader is a really good submission guy. Mark Hunt had Fader down and had him in a Kimura lock that you're like, okay, he's going to tap. And some way, somehow, Fader reversed it eventually, and I think he... Tap Mark Hunt. I should know the finishes of these fights, but my memory's really bad. I just remember the predicament Fedor was in in these fights. And you're like, okay, he's going to lose. And he didn't. And then, uh, look, I'm not going to... When you look at who he's beaten, people have selective memory. People have selective memory. And oftentimes, as time moves on, we forget the greats of yesteryear. And those greats become diminished because we focus on the now. And I'm not going to take away from uh, Nagano, uh, Dos Santos, and Verdun. And when we talk about the three greatest heavyweights of all time, and people mentioned, you know, people say Cormier and, and Miocic and then Fedor. Verdun has to be in the conversation, too, if you're going to talk about a Mount, a Mount Rushmore. I mean, when Verdun beat Fedor, he didn't just stop there. He ended up beating Cain Velasquez, too. And don't forget about the fact that everyone had Cain Velasquez as the greatest heavyweight of all time when he won the title. So that's the problem with the hot take. The hot take, I want to see someone do it over the course of time. Let's see a guy be sustainable. When Fedor, I mean, think about that. 28 unbeaten. 
28 unbeaten. Did he have a few tomato cans in there? I'm not going to deny that. But when you beat Noguera twice, a lot of people don't even know who Noguera is, especially the new fans. You know, go look up Noguera. He came to the UFC. I think he ended up winning the interim title one time. I want to say, did he beat Mir or did he beat... I don't know who... I forget who Noguera beat, but he beat somebody to become the UFC champion. But the point is, is a legend. Fedor beat him twice. Fedor beat him twice. Go look at Mirko Krokop. Go look at the domination. Now, again, a lot of this, these fights in Japan that took place in Pride, you can make a case all these guys were juiced up. I'm not going to deny that. I know a lot of guys were juiced. Krokop looked juiced. Krokop was destroying a lot of fighters. He had a good winning streak. I mean, he lost to Randleman. Uh, upset lost to Randleman. And I want to say he lost to somebody else, too. But we talk about legends of MMA and heavyweights. Mirko Krokop beat Josh Barnett three times. Three times! Josh Barnett! He's another guy who should, who, who's in the conversation in terms of how great he is. Although the last few years haven't been so kind to him. Another guy, of course... Accused of, well, not accused, he's been busted steroids multiple times. But people have this selective memory and they forget about the guys in pride. And that's disrespectful. I hate that. I hate that, guys. When Krokop when, when and, and Fedor fought, it was epic. It was an epic contest because a lot of people thought that Krokop would beat Fedor. A lot of people thought that. Krokop had tremendous stand-up, tremendous kickboxer. He kicked his brother's head off. Go watch that fight. Fedor's brother, Alexander, who, of course, later on got in trouble with the law. And I don't think it... Maybe he's had a couple fights since, but he did go to prison. Krokop and Alexander Emelianenko was on a streak. I think he had won a few fights. And he looked pretty dangerous. Fedor kicked... uh, Fedor, excuse me. Mirko Krokop... Kicked Alexander Milenko's head into the third row. It was a vicious knockout. So going into that fight, everyone was like, okay, Mirko's going to win this fight. And what Fedor did was really smart. For those who don't know, he went to the Netherlands and he trained to work on his stand-up and his kickboxing and everything like that. And if you watch that fight, Fedor looked like a different fighter. He fought and beat Mirko Krokop at his own game. That just tells you the legend of Fedor and what he was capable of the adjustments he made, not only coming into a fight, but the in-fight adjustments that he's made. And again, I'm not talking about the last few years. I know he's had some bad losses. I'm talking about Fedor in his prime. When I'm going to debate you who I think is the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time, there is no doubt in my mind that Fedor Milinenko beats Stipe Miocic in their prime. Whatever age you want to put Stipe at, you want to put him at 33, 34, because I know he's 37, he still looks good. But if you give me Fedor at the age of 30, 31, I know he lost to Verdum at 33. But I, I, I will go to my grave believing that Fedor Milinenko will beat almost every heavyweight in his prime. That's why I consider him the greatest. There's that. Okay? Just my thought. So, um, that wraps up. I'm not going to go into the whole UFC 252. I barely watched it. I'm not going to deny that. Um, 
So we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit of wrestling, some uh, Major League Baseball, and then we're going to get out of here. So uh, you're listening to Morton's Law coming back right after this. People say that all the time. People are so obsessed with episode numbers. Who gives a shit? It's an episode. Whatever. So let's get into some wrestling briefly. I don't have a lot to talk about. I'll just talk about uh, what's coming up this week. And that AEW, which normally airs on Wednesday, due to the NBA playoffs, it is being pushed Saturday. Tentatively a 6 o'clock start. But of course, games can run long, maybe overtime. So it goes on a little bit later. It's interesting from this standpoint. I want to say this because I haven't really been paying much attention. But I believe that NXT will be doing their takeover at 7 o'clock next Saturday night. I believe that their go-home show is Wednesday. I want to confirm that for the most part. I, don't, I, I think it is this weekend. This con- next weekend, rather. So think about this for a second. You're going to have AW on at 6 o'clock, 6.15, whatever time it comes on. And then NXT is going to be on the takeover simultaneously. Now, that will be interesting to see how the ratings impact if they do. Because, of course, takeover is going to be loaded. There's no doubt about that. So we'll see if that impacts at all. Now, it's already been talked about that the, one of the main matches will be Cody against Brody Lee. Now, look, I, I tweeted Cody jokingly. Because uh, Cody, I guess, responded to someone's tweet. Or maybe he created his own tweet that... You know, can Brody Lee have a chance in beating him? And he said no. Of course no. I said Vegas has Cody as or Brody Lee as a plus 10K to win the match. Because, I mean, Cody's not going to lose. Why would Cody lose? What if they dealt with Brody Lee to make you think he can beat Cody? Unless they go with some crazy upset, some crazy scenario where maybe someone turns on Cody. Like, if you want to create one, I'll do it for you. You could have Jake Hager come out. Somebody who's already lost to Cody. You could have multiple people come out who Cody has already beaten and help them. Maybe, I don't know, something crazy where Brody ends up winning. But it's not going to happen. They do need something for shock value. I'll say that. I mean, a lot of people are talking about... Oh, wait, before I go to that, I want to just talk about the fact that this coming Wednesday, the NXT show will be unopposed. So that's... that's you know When we talk about the ratings... Because AEW won again. Now, even though they had 900,000 two weeks ago, they dropped down to 750, was it 750? It was maybe 790, 793. Right, right, that's what it was. But when you lose 100,000 viewers in a week, that says a lot. Especially when your main event is Chris Jericho against Orange Cassidy, which they've been building towards. So when you drop 100,000, that, that, that's a big hit. And NXT took a big hit also. They lost 100,000 viewers. Because they went from 1.6 million back down to 1.4 so just think just when you thought they were building momentum they each take a hit this past wednesday now i have this thing online and look i follow brian alvarez from the wrestling observer 
And he always breaks down the ratings, so at least he posts the ratings on Twitter. It's enjoyable for me, because Mr. Alvarez is a, a WWE troll. He loves to just abuse the fans. He takes he has fun in abusing the fans, and I enjoy it because I go read the replies. So, anytime he posts that AW wins in the ratings, all the WWE fans counter with the Raw rating. Oh, Raw did a 1.9, SmackDown with a 1.9, AEW 790,000 or whatever the number is. They didn't get a million. Here's my biggest gripe with WWE fans. They come to the defense of Raw and SmackDown, but they don't give a shit about NXT. What is wrong with this picture? You're not, AEW wouldn't be in the conversation. They'd be talking about, I know AEW already lost the executive at TNT. That was in their corner. That was big news. And now AEW, I mean, who knows who's at TNT now that could pull the plug on this company being on television. We don't know. And a lot of less educated people want to point to the ratings and the demo and all this other stuff and how well it's doing. But go back 20 years, TNT had great numbers from Nitro. Even when Nitro was at its worst, they had better numbers than this. And they made a decision to still pull Nitro and WCW off the air completely. People out there who think that that can't happen again, you're just lost. You're lost that that is not... I mean, these numbers are, are, are okay. And I, I don't want AEW to be pulled. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not rooting against AEW. I've said that here ad nauseum. But people are foolish to think that they can't do that now that they don't have anyone in their corner at the network. But going back to what I was going to say, WWE fans go out of their way to mock AEW, they bash AEW, their ratings are trash, we get our 1.9s and our 1.7s or whatever the number is, and, and let's be honest, those numbers are terrible. When you go back 20 years, the numbers are terrible. I've done that breakdown, I'm not going to do it again. I don't know, no one should be celebrating WWE's numbers right now, nobody. You're on SmackDown, on Fox 5, you're in every home in this country. And you're only getting a 1.9. A 1.9! There's 325 million people. How many homes? I don't know. You do the, I, I don't know how many homes there are. But still, the number should be a lot better than 1.9. Why don't these people take their energy and help support NXT? NXT wouldn't be doing 700,000 if the Raw and SmackDown faithful came and helped them. NXT could be doing 1.2, 1.3. I'm not going to say they're going to do a 1.9. But they could be doing better numbers. So does that mean the Raw SmackDown audience, some of them are watching AEW? Is that, is that possible? Are some of the Raw SmackDown fans watching AEW over NXT? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? You're not supporting your own brand. AEW, for those who want to get rid of AEW, you could help by watching NXT. <laughs> Think about it. If NXT was beating AEW 1.3, 1.4 to 900,000, AW would be in deep shit right now, right? They'd be in trouble. They'd be losing every week 1.3, 1.4 to, to 900,000 or less, whatever number they pull on a given week. Because their numbers fluctuate badly. NXT's more consistent number. They're more in the 6s to 7s. They don't really go to the 8s, but it's it's a sad story. But just imagine that. If, if, the, w, if the Raw and SmackDown fans supported NXT as much as they trashed AEW, this conversation is different right now. Alright, so, uh, alright, as we build towards All Out, MJF continues to be dominant, gold on the mic, everything he does, 
It's just remarkable. When you're going into this pay-per-view match against Moxley. Now, I've been reading online. I don't want to say fans are turning against AW, but people are, are, are ready for title changes. And we've had this nonstop Cody challenge, which, of course, he won again against uh, Scorpio Sky. Two weeks ago, he beat the legend Warhorse, greatest, well, three weeks ago now, right? Because he had a tag title match last week, correct? With uh, Matt Cardona, everyone, I'm sure that, that, that screams rating Zack Ryder, delusional people. Um, so, but when do you do these title changes? Now, I'm not an advocate. I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy that says, "All right, well, you need title changes." But in this sense, I think you have to shake up AW a little bit right now. And I'm not saying you got to take the title off Cody and Moxley. One of them, at least, should lose the title at at all out. And if I were booking, which I always talk about, I talk about on Twitter, I talk about in group text messages with friends. I would have never had MJF chasing Moxley right now. I would have done an angle where he went after Cody. Because think about it. And I, I've done this already here. I'm, for those who don't listen to every show, I'll just give it to you again. My goal would have been MJF already beat Cody. He's already prevented him from becoming a world champion. Why not take his title too? I want to see Cody hit rock bottom. That would be a great angle. MJF beats Cody and Cody has to change and then Cody eventually turns heel. That's the best way to do that. Make Cody hit rock bottom. He starts acting like a different person. And eventually he snaps. He beats up Art Anderson. And he goes into a heel. But that's what I would do with MJF. I think MJF should should graduate from title to title. Instead of just going after Moxley. Now a lot of people speculate that Moxley will somehow retain this title. Despite this MJF push. Now my thought was if you're going to do this push and MJF loses, then he's got to get screwed some way, somehow. Now, could Wardlow screw him by accident, which would then lead to them breaking up? And I had a thought during the week. When you look at Wardlow, and you see he's a heel, but he doesn't really heel heel, like MJF heels. He's more quiet. And you look, and I don't want to make this comparison, but it's just based on the look alone, not anything else. Could Wardlow have... A baby face run in him, and like a Roman Reigns baby face run. I'm talking about without the go home heat, of course. But I think Wardlow could be that baby face against against MJF in a feud. That's again if they want to go that route to to uh, somehow let Moxley retain. You cannot let Moxley win against MJF clean. That would be terrible. You just kill MJF off right there. But AEW has their booking issues, where I don't think they know how to end feuds, or know how to continue feuds, they kind of just, they do a one-off, think about the one-offs, Moxley and Cody, who they've beaten, where's Brian Cage, everyone, what happened to Cage, what happened to Hager, uh, Brody Lee's finally getting a second title shot, but it's just like little things, and how they book the company, that doesn't make any sense, so personally, I would have MJF win, I would have him win, but I would screw Moxley also. I wouldn't go clean. I would have Wardlow help MJF win. But, again, you could go the other way. And people talk about, well, what, what would be next? What would, what would you do after that? Well, I think the eventual push of Hangman Page is a babyface. And then he could take the title of MJF in the future. You, you could go many different directions. Don't get me wrong. This isn't easy. I'm not going to tell you booking is easy. But... I think, and as their fans want, they need a title change. It's overdue. 
Um, I NXT. I didn't watch a lot. Of, I watched the episode, but a lot didn't stand out. Just like just this is why I'm not doing reviews. A lot isn't standing out. I watch these shows and I go, okay, what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna come on here and just trash every match. Who wants to hear that? I don't want it. I don't want to say it. I'm sick of saying it. That all these matches have flaws in them. You know, spot, 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 no sell, spot, no sell, spot, no sell. What are we watching? Although, I'll say this, I forgot about that. That um, finally the FTR acted like heels for once. And they beat up the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Which is sad that they're even out there. Let's be honest. Oh my god. Do we need to see Ricky and Robert out there at 65 years of age? The fact that these two guys actually still compete at that age? It's kind of embarrassing. People want to say, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice story. They're still wrestling. Is it a nice story? Is it really nice? Or are we just being nice saying that? I don't want to see Ricky and Robert. So FTR did the heel turn, but they didn't. Now, is it really a heel turn, or were they just acting like faces? But then again, nothing happened really with the Jacksons as as they walked off. And Omega's always looking like an idiot. Like, what happened? I don't know what happened. Which way did he go? Which way did he go? I mean, just... That's his face. By the way, he'll be eventually in the title picture also when we talk about the main title. Talk about Hangman. Talk, that could be a great feud. I've said it here already. I'm not going to repeat it. Omega turning on Paige where everyone initially thought that would be the other way around. So you build towards that feud. If Hangman were to beat MJF, then you have Omega into the picture for that title feud. That works too. I'd like to look ahead. So then we get this um, on NXT. Alright. I understand why they're doing these multiple three ways. We're going to get this five way ladder match. And now we're having people come back that have already lost. Although as long as you didn't get pinned or submitted. There's going to be another match. And all this is being done because they didn't want to beat Keith Lee. Technically you could have had Keith Lee defend both titles. You could have him defend the North American title every two weeks. Have him defend the main NXT title every two weeks. So this way he's... He's out there twice a month. He could have built it. And then eventually you could have screwed Keith Lee. And the way you could have screwed Keith Lee. Would have been any of these challenges. That are in these five way matches. Well that will be in the five way ladder. Whomever it ends up being. I know Priest is already confirmed. Uh, a couple of the guys. What is it? I know. What is, what's his name got hurt? Loomis got hurt. So then that created another match. It's just chaos. With who's going to be in this. Oh right. right. Uh, uh, Thick Boy. He's going to be in it. And talk about, not for nothing, that was a really odd finish this past week on, on the NXT main event. Velveteen Dream came back. And then Kushida ended up taking the loss. And and then he gets beaten up afterwards. So, look, I'm a big fan of Japanese wrestling. And we always talked about what happened with Kenta in NXT. He was hurt all the time. He was never probably... He was never in a position to be pushed because he was always injured. You couldn't rely on him. What has Kushida done in NXT that would warrant him being buried like this? This this was a burial. The fact that Kushida was straight up pinned in this three-way match. Cameron Grimes won, by the way. Cameron Grimes also advancing to the five-way ladder. I love Cameron Grimes. Great, great personality. He's different. Something you don't see all the time. You need to have that on television. But... Kushida, I, I don't get it. I don't know what, what Triple H and those guys are thinking. 
and he's not even in the title picture with Santos in terms of the uh, the cruiserweight title. I don't know what happens to Kushida going forward, but this is bizarre. But also, I just kind of deviated from my initial thought, which was this: if you're if you don't do all these three way matches in this ladder match, if you're building towards a Keith Lee carrying cross title match, which is going to happen at Takeover next Saturday night. You could have had Keith Lee with the North American title and had him lose to any of the guys that I just mentioned with Karrion Cross costing him the title, which would then build even more and give Keith Lee more anger towards Cross that he cost him his North American title. And there's nothing wrong with beating Keith Lee if you screw him. This is Wrestling 101. They didn't have to take that title off of him. And that's their storyline. This whole, you know, it's kayfabe when you know, Keith Lee wanted to give people opportunity. No, that was their decision, of course. Could have beaten Keith Lee and screwed him and then did the title match. Unless they really want Karrion Cross to win and then they didn't want to beat Keith Lee twice. That's the thought also. I don't know how... Maybe maybe they thought it was going to screw Keith Lee against Karrion Cross, so they didn't want to do the same thing twice. That makes sense if that's the thought process. So, Velveteen Dream lost his mind, coming back. I mean, listen, Velveteen Dream was a part of that whole situation. He kind of, I don't want to say started it, but in terms of news stories, with the whole 17-year-old girls, you know, sending inappropriate pictures to these girls. I'm going to say something here. It's controversial, I get it. I understand the laws in this country. He's a 24-year-old guy. Now, technically, a 17-year-old girl is illegal. I get that. But he's 24. How is that? Like, that shouldn't be wrong. I'm not saying he should be sending 13-year-old girls. But this girl's practically... There's seven years age difference. Think about that. I can be 50. Or right now, in my age, in my 40s, I can technically date a 20-year-old girl. Now, granted, it would be creepy to most people. But I can date a 20-year-old girl. He's 24... And he can't have a relationship with a 17-year-old girl just because she's not 18. That's ridiculous. I was talking to my friend who listens to the show. He's a cop. He said the same thing. Now, technically, in some states, 17 is consenting. All right. Call me creepy. Um, my point is, he's 24. I'm not saying I'm going to be sending dick pics to a 17-year-old girl. I won't do that. That's not my point here. I'm digging the hole deeper, aren't I? <laughs> Oh, man. I'm just... Look. <laughs> we'll move on. So, we're going to come back on the other side. I didn't realize I was going to take another break, but I need a break. So, I'm going to take a break, come back on the other side, and we're going to talk MLB, NBA, and then we're going to get out of here. So, I appreciate you guys listening. Morton's Law, coming right back. And welcome back to Morton's Law. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Morton's underscore law. Let's get into, we got a little bit more uh, stuff going on, baseball, and then the NBA playoffs, and then we can get out of here. So, let's talk about the Yankees-Red Sox. Now, I have a, <laughs> a friend, former co-worker, who's a big Red Sox fan, and he told me before the season started that they potentially could could win 35 games in a 60-game season, mind you. This Red Sox team is an abomination. It is so bad. And now, of course, he's spinning it, saying, oh, well, uh, there's a rebuilding year. We're going to rebuild. Right. Rebuilding. I mean, these last two games, the Red Sox should file a police report. It really is that abusive. It's so bad. 
I mean, I, I joke that the Red Sox should enter a battered women's shelter. I mean, this is just ugly. And the Yankees have so many injuries. Stanton, Judge, and now LeMahieu going down with the wrist injury. That seems pretty significant. But the Yankees continually overcome these issues. They had it last year. They won 100 games. And now again, they're on pace to win, what, 39-40 in this shortened season? I mean, it's the Yankees. That's what they do. Every Next man up. They just hit. Everybody hits. LeMahieu down. Enter Wade. Wade Didn't Wade get a, a hit in his first at bat last night after entering the game? It's incredible what these guys do. Urshela is having a, an incredible season. I mean, someone's always going to step up. We love Tochman. Hate Gardner. Bye, Brett Gardner. Get out of here. He's still on this team. I can't believe that. And now Torres is starting to hit. Torres. Look, Gary Sanchez may hit 140, but he's going to hit 12 home runs. I mean, he hits bombs. Gary Sanchez, when he gets into one, holy shit, is it go far. What was it, 457 last night? Oh, my God. He just hit. And he always reaches. He either hits the second deck or he hits the bleachers in left field, which is a shot. I mean, he hits tape measures when he hits it. Now, again, the 140 average is an issue. But uh, Yankees are, Yankees have no problems. Garrett Cole looks tremendous. Uh, and you just got to get a little bit of pitching with this team. Let's be fair here. Just a little bit of pitching, and they're going to score runs every night. I mean, they're good. And um, look, the Astros are coming back a little bit. I know Alvarez came back from injury because I have him on my fantasy team. And then today he missed with some kind of soreness in his knee. So they need that bad in the lineup for sure. We'll see what happens with the Astros. I mean, look, the Dodgers are still on top in the West. They're going to be, I don't know what's going to happen as the 60 games plays out, but we know who the legit teams are. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, the Mets lost again today. (laughs) The Mets just keep losing. (laughs) I can't say too much about the Mets because I know I have Mets fans watching or listening to the show, rather. So I'm going to try not to bash the Mets, but, oh, could you imagine, think about that. The way this is set up, you have eight teams from each league making the playoffs this year. This is ridiculous. It's basically NBA, NHL, whatever you want to call it, right? And if the Mets don't make the postseason, they got a clean house. They got to, everyone's got to go, right? I mean, that's bad. I'm going to love it. There's a chance in this shortened season with eight teams making the playoffs in each league, the Red Sox and the Mets may not make the playoffs. That is like, that, that brings a smile to my face. You should see it right now. I, I rarely smile. It's exciting. I really hate these seven-inning doubleheaders. I cannot express how much. This is co-ed softball. It's a joke. I hate, think about that. If you're winning a game, it works both ways. If you're winning a game, now you don't have to worry about losing in the eighth or ninth inning with your bullpen. The game gets shortened. Imagine being the team that's down. We're down. That happened to the Yankees in the doubleheader against the Phillies. Yankees made this big comeback. They scored a bunch of runs. And then the game just ends in the seventh inning. Are you kidding me? What would happen to these players if they had to play two more innings in each game? What would happen? What is the purpose of this? Why are they playing seven innings? This is Major League Baseball. I can't believe this happened. Oh, it's such bad. I hate watching it. And now the Cardinals, by the way, because they wanted to go to a casino in in St. Louis, they're now going to play, I think, what, 15 doubleheaders going forward? And I think they won their first. Yeah, they actually beat the the White Sox in a doubleheader yesterday, both games. 
And look, hey, that those not playing in eighth and ninth inning is going to benefit a lot of teams, especially if you have a shaky bullpen. No one, you, no one's going to get to see your full bullpen. If you play seven innings. Maybe the Cardinals did this on purpose. And I cannot express enough how much Major League home plate umpires suck. I mean, they suck. It is so bad how they consistently get calls wrong. It is it is an abomination. I mean, I watched a game last week. I didn't. Do, I haven't done this podcast in like two weeks. I watched a game last Sunday at at City Field with the Mets. This home plate umpire, I think he got half the calls right, and that is an embarrassment to the game when your home plate umpire is getting half the calls wrong. Are you kidding me? Look, I personally think it's a matter of time, and I know it's already been trialed down in the minor leagues, that we have to have the automated system. I'm sorry, that, that K-box that we see, everyone sees, that, of course, makes the umpires look worse because we see when it's a strike. It, it, if that is a legitimate strike, it has to be called. I don't care about the human element. They still have a purpose back there. Let's get the calls right. I hate them. I can't stand these umpires back there. They miss calls badly, too. Some, I mean, in the, in the Met game last uh, Sunday, it, the, the, some of these balls, like, there was one, I kid you not, one ball was dead down the middle of the plate at the knees, and he called it a ball. Called it a ball. You could not, I don't know if I've ever seen this in the history of the game, where a ball was almost, now they say, oh, the, the way the catcher caught the ball, it crossed up the umpire. Isn't his eye supposed to be on the ball? Didn't, how, why was he looking at the catcher? He should have seen the ball still hit. It hit, I want to say, if you would divide the plate, it was as close to the middle as you could possibly get, and it was called a ball. And, and again, these incompetent umpires are driving pitch counts up because now guys are having to just throw how many more pitches an inning because of their incompetence. I hate them. I can't stand these umpires. They got to go. I don't like to read the internet that much because you, you, sometimes you get subjected to articles. And you're like, why are people writing articles like this? We know this is a shortened season. 60 games. I don't want to hear that because Charlie Blackman was hitting 500. Could he hit 400 in a 60-game season? I don't care. It shouldn't count. Of course there's an asterisk. There's no way this conversation should even be entertained. Charlie Blackman hits 400. LeMahieu, I think, was hitting 400 also before he just got hurt last night. I don't care. And then I was watching this, this Rocky broadcast just now because my fantasy team, I have, I have Gray, who actually pitched seven strong innings, shockingly, in court. How about, by the way, my fantasy team currently sits in fourth place. Um, uh, what is it? The, who's in first place? I mean, oh, Karma Police, of course, in first place. No surprise. Four-time champion. He's always going to be right there. And uh, Sparky Lyle, who normally is an invitational for the the consolation bracket, his team is really good, but he consistently has more injuries. Acuna down. Uh, I think he said he lost Brantley. And but here, here's the biggest thing, and uh, he didn't want to hear this yesterday. He got sensitive. Okay. By the way, what what tampon do you use so I can order one on Amazon and send it to you? Because I called out the fact. We, all right. Here's the thing. The the team known as Karma Police and I have been essentially mocking the entire league for the first six picks who passed on Mike Trout. 
I believe uh, maybe Trout went six. But five teams passed on Mike Trout in this draft based on the bad information that Trout was going to miss X amount of time because of his, his child's birth. Mike Trout, I think, missed three games. And he has nine home runs. I don't know. Did he hit one today? Maybe, maybe he has ten right now. I don't know. But it's a running joke. And while you want to argue that, yeah, Yelich, Acuna, Bellinger, other guys have comparable numbers, Mike Trout is the most consistent guy there has been in, what is he now, nine years in the league already? You can't pass on Mike Trout, bottom line. People did it. So, yeah, my fantasy team, I mean, I've had, listen, my team is so solid, but I've made some poor decisions in terms of pitching guys that I should not pitch. I've had to drop guys. Mike Fires, piece of shit in Oakland. I let him blow up my ERA twice. That was foolish. Uh, then I had to drop another guy recently. I mean, you get the, these, these gasoline pitchers that just ruin your ERA for the week. Well, I mean, this is a rotisserie, which sucks, of course, but... I mean, they, they can just, for a day, like, you could, you'd fluctuate your points. You can go 10 points up, 10 points down in just one day. Like, uh, what is it? One of our guys known as Cube 3 Rider, who, of course, listens to the show. He has his own podcast, Box Seat Suck, that I talk about, Tony Soprano. His team yesterday was in, he's going to love that I'm talking about this right now. He's probably going to jerk off as he's listening to this, no doubt about it. His team, going into Saturday, was in 10th place at 65 points, or 66 I believe he, he, he was a plus 16 for Saturday. And now he's sitting in second place entering Sunday. 16 points in one day. But as, as other teams have learned, sometimes people have that 10 plus and then the next day you have 11 negative and you're back down to where you are. So that happens. I think collectively most of us hate uh, rotisserie. We're going to be gladly, uh, uh, we're going to be happy to go back to head to head next year. Uh, let's talk about, uh, yeah, the NBA playoffs start tomorrow. Everyone excited? Yay, NBA playoffs. I could give a shit. I'll just talk about it from this standpoint, okay? I don't understand this. I'll never understand it. I know there was a bit of a, like a play-in game. I don't know what, what this whole NBA bubble thing and the things that they've done and how the schedule is going to look going forward with the playoffs. But somehow there was some kind of playoff game between the Trailblazers and the Grizzlies. And I read from multiple people, some, I, I believe some of them listened to the show. They were so excited for Carmelo Anthony hitting that game-winning corner three that you would think Carmelo brought a championship to the Garden. Last time I checked, the Knicks didn't win a championship with Carmelo, did they? No, in fact, I think they made the playoffs once or twice. Or was it just once? Oh, well, Carmelo took us to the Eastern Conference Finals one year. Yeah, that you know what? That negates the, the what was he, how many long was he on the team? I don't even know. How many years did the Knicks not make the playoffs with Carmelo Anthony? How many years did Carmelo Anthony make you hate going to the Garden, knowing you're going to watch him take his 22-23 shots, he's going to shoot his 7 for 23, he's not going to pass the ball, He's he, I mean, he rebounds okay, I'm not going to tell you he doesn't rebound. He, he plays mediocre to crap defense, mostly crap defense, and he loses games. Now in his advanced age, he knows he can't do what he used to do, and he's the fourth option, let's be fair, on this Trailblazer team. McCollum, Lillard, uh, Nurkic, however you say his name, he is the fourth option on this team, and yes, did he hit a clutch three yesterday to win a game? He did. 
Then he made two free throws after uh, someone at the, someone hit a three for the Grizzlies. That cut it to three, and I guess he sealed it with a couple free throws. But, yeah, he had his 21 points. However, let's fast forward now to the first round, which I think they begin play on Tuesday against the Lakers. I guarantee you there will be a game in this series where Carmelo gets his shots, because, again, keep in mind, albeit, he had 21 points yesterday, and he hit a game winner. He was still 5 for 15 from the floor. Typical Carmelo Anthony. 5 for 15 from the floor, and I don't think he had an assist. Maybe one. My point is, again, as the fourth option, whatever. Let's see how he plays. He will have a game where he buries this team. He will bury the Portland Trailblazers in one game with his inability to make shots. He will. And there's no doubt in my mind, they will just stop passing him the ball. So, a lot of talk about LeBron. In the bubble, I think next to the Bucks, the Lakers are like one of the worst teams in the bubble. I don't know how many games they lost, but I was watching highlights. I found this YouTube channel where they show nine-minute nine game highlights, which is all I need to see from the NBA. Because I hate today's game. I hate the way it's played. I hate the three-point shot. You guys have heard this before. I'm not going to give it to you again. That's just a summary of why I hate the NBA. In 2020. What is LeBron going to bring to the table in this postseason? What, how, much can, how much does he have left in the tank to elevate his game? Now, of course, they're going to beat the Trailblazers in the first round. Obviously. The point is here, the way it's set up with the Clippers being the two, they're going to meet in the Western Finals, barring an upset. And I don't know how much LeBron has and what gear he can kick into. And don't get me wrong, of course, Anthony Davis is going to contribute. However, the rest of that team, there's a lot of people on there that you just don't know where you're going to get anything from. And when they have to face Kawhi in that seven games, I don't know. People believe in LeBron. It's 50-50. It's torn. Like, yeah, 50% of the people say, oh, LeBron's going to elevate and they're going to beat the Clippers. They're going to go back to the championship. Or they're going to go to the championship. The Lakers haven't been in a while. Um, And then there's the 50% who say he can't do it like he once did. He's above. This is not your 25, 30-year-old LeBron. He's 35 now. Does he have another gear for the postseason that he's saving? A lot of people feel he doesn't. We will see. But I think from the Eastern Conference, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in James Harden. I never have. I never will. Until James Harden can show me consistently that he can put up better numbers in the postseason. Which I mean, all right. Last year, let's be fair. He did put up better numbers. They still found a way to lose. I believe Lakers and Clippers Western Conference Finals. I'm going to stick to that. In the East, the East is interesting. A little bit more wide open. The Bucks, like I talked about in the bubble, have been one of the worst teams. I mean, I hear a lot of stuff because I don't watch the games, so I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I know what's going on. But I've heard now Giannis apparently has these mental breakdowns, and he's like a different person in the bubble. I don't know what's going on there. I couldn't expound on that. So the Bucks right now, albeit they're going to, they're still the one seed, I believe, right? I think so. You have the Celtics, and you have the Raptors are the two seed, right? Celtics are three. Celtics are playing the what is it? Rap Bucks Nets, I think it is, right? Or is it Raptors Nets? I don't know. the The point is, I think it's going to be. It could be Raptors and Bucks, but the Celtics are a factor. The Celtics will. The Celtics are good enough to beat one of those two teams. I personally want to see the finals, I want to see Lakers, excuse me, 
I want to see the Clippers against the Raptors. I think it would be awesome from the standpoint of Kawhi against his old team. It's a great story, I think. I know ratings purposes, I don't think the NBA wants to see the Raptors. They would much rather see the Celtics or the Bucks with Giannis. We'll see what happens there. Well, that's about it for this episode. I thank you guys for joining me. Uh, with school coming up soon, I can't guarantee an episode. Maybe I'll do one before school starts. Like I said, I have 10 days until school starts. I appreciate the support out there. Please continue to spread the word. This is Morton's Law Podcast. I'll see you when I see you. Take care, everybody, and God bless gay sex.